0: you ever thought what is a professional probably not here at the professional by choice podcast we interview professionals of all types c-suite executives entrepreneurs social workers accountants athletes you name it we get the privilege of hearing their stories and figuring out just what makes them a professional in their field you're listening to the professional by choice podcast and now here's your host chris molina
1: so today we're speaking with Gail Moat, and Gail is a trainer and organization development consultant at Gail Moat Associates. She's also a certified professional in learning and performance, CPLP, by the Association for Talent Development, ATD, and she's also an ATD Master Performance Consultant. In addition to that, Gail is a certified coach and facilitator for EQI 2.0. And that's a psychometric assessment, which measures emotional intelligence and how it can impact people and the workplace. Gail is also an authorized partner with five behaviors of a cohesive team and is an everything DISC authorized partner. And everything DISC is a transformational tool that helps people understand themselves and others in order to have more effective relationships. Gail is also a graduate of co-college with multiple degrees in business, economics, and education, and she holds a master's in business administration from the University of Iowa, where she's an adjunct lecturer in the Tippie College of Business MBA for Professionals and Managers program. Gail, welcome to the PBC Podcast, and thank you for joining us today.
2: I am excited to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation, Chris.
1: Absolutely. I'm excited that you're spending some of your time with us today, and I can't wait to dive in. But first, how was your day?
2: It was an awesome day. It was an awesome day. You know, I always wake up every day and I go, TGIT. Thank goodness it's today. (laughs) (laughs) I got both feet on the ground. Um, Yeah, so I got to work with some clients today. I got to do uh, some of my own research and um, professional development, and that's always a win-win.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great mindset to have, especially first thing in the morning. Um, just happy that you're able to wake up. I guess
2: <laughs> you know our days. It's, I always say it's a choice. You can use it for something really great, or you can waste it away. But it's still a choice, and you know you're exchanging a day of your life for it because you're not going to get it back. So you might as well you might as well go for the gusto, as they used to say.
1: Yeah, and you can't recycle a wasted day.
2: That's exactly right, Chris. That's exactly right.
1: So before we get into your story, do you have any current or upcoming projects or life events that you're excited about that you don't mind sharing with Uh, us today?
2: I am absolutely excited to share. Uh, Tomorrow, as a matter of fact, uh, I am going to be starting an eight-week course on mindfulness uh, at the University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics. It's their mindfulness uh, uh, stress reduction course. And you know one of the things that I'm passionate about, which I'm sure we'll get into, is emotional intelligence and you know, we're all so busy and we have all so many things going on in our lives that I think sometimes we've just lost the ability to slow down and to be present and to recognize what's going on around us and quite frankly even enjoy, uh, what's going on around us. And so I'm really, I'm really pumped about this course. Um, I think it's going to be really helpful not only for me personally, but also, uh, working with my clients. So I'm excited about that. I've got, um, this uh, this May, I'm going to be presenting for the uh, Iowa Business Analyst uh, Professional Development Day in uh, Altoona, Iowa. And we're going to be talking about emotional intelligence and leading change. And I learned a long time ago that the only people who really like change are wet babies and cashiers. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, you know, change is one of those things that really creates... Um, Emotion, uh emotional challenges for folks, uh, and so we're going to be working on, you know, what are some of the emotional intelligence skills that leaders really need to develop uh, to help people better transition through change? Because it's usually the transitions um, that hang people up, not so much the the change itself. I'm going to be presenting for the. Um, uh, International electrical engineering association's conference uh this summer uh, as well, and uh, we're going to be talking about team dynamics, so lots of things uh on the horizon uh, that i 'm that i 'm pretty excited about going to be going to the a t d uh, international Conference in Denver in may that 's a treat I always nice. give to myself, so I keep learning and growing, so yeah, lots of good things.
1: Sure. That that sounds like you have a busy schedule and you're excited I, about it. That's always great to hear. I
2: am, and then I also spend a little time right this time of year watching some March Madness. So, filling my passion, yes.
1: And uh, did you have a uh, a bracket that you filled out?
2: I did, and uh, I picked Michigan State to win it all. So, I <laughs> I was knocked out be- very early.
1: <laughs> being, being a Purdue um Boilermaker at my heart, I was uh, I was pretty Pretty sad, right at the get go, unfortunately, yeah,
2: you know I, uh, <laughs> I picked them to uh, I think uh, the the elite eight, so yeah I'm, I'm right sure. with you, Chris <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, so you mentioned a couple of things. Um, you mentioned teaching and also uh, consulting for some clients, so both of those are your professions, both teaching and organizational development consulting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, why those fields and, and what led you to those fields?
2: You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I knew when I was in elementary school, Chris, that I was going to be a teacher. Uh, okay. I, I used to spend my summers playing school. How sick is that? Uh, that, that, that's how much <laughs> I really wanted to teach. And I went to uh, college to be a high school teacher. Uh, did my student teaching the spring of my senior year and discovered that high school teaching wasn't a good fit for me. Uh, so, I quickly had to make some adjustments and uh, my my husband to be uh, already had accepted a teaching job locally, so I uh went into manufacturing I found a job in a manufacturing company uh found a passion for what I would call operations um, production okay. scheduling, those kinds of things. Uh, there was a certification you could take to get certified in production and inventory management. I got certified back in 1984. We had a local chapter that needed someone to teach the certification classes. My hand immediately went up. You know, it's that teaching hand <laughs> that can't stop. And then I discovered that, oh, okay, this is, this is what I was meant to do. I was meant to teach adults on something that I'm really passionate about. So, I worked in manufacturing for about 13 years. Uh, in 1990, uh, November of 1990, I started Gale Mode Associates. And what I do is I custom design and facilitate Training courses uh, for uh, organizations uh, when we've determined that training is really the the issue, and that's where my master performance consultant talents come into play because uh, training isn't always the answer. So, you know, once we determine that really what's causing a performance gap is a lack of skill or knowledge or something along those lines, then it's my privilege and pleasure to go in and work with my clients and and design and customize and facilitate courses around those needs. Um, my passion. Is teams and anything team related, emotional intelligence and frontline frontline manager development. So that's that's really what uh, what got me going. Okay,
1: so you you, you mentioned uh, there and and a bit earlier um, EQ a couple of times, mm-hmm. um, and so for some of the listeners who aren't very familiar with what that is, can you elaborate on? Uh, what EQ is, what EQI 2.0 is, and maybe some facets that you focus on whenever you are consulting and teaching.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Emotional intelligence has been around for a long, 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 long time. Uh, and and there's a lot of really great organizations out there. Um, you know, certainly when people say emotional intelligence, Daniel Goleman uh, comes to mind. But but sure. uh, it was certainly uh, prevalent long before uh, Dr. Goleman uh, gave it gave it the uh, the visibility that it has. But really, in a nutshell, what emotional intelligence is, it's a set of emotional and social skills that contribute to our overall well-being and happiness. And that's kind of a big global thing. But, um, we do know that 25 to 30 percent of all job success is going to be directly tied to a person's emotional intelligence. And, you know, that includes things like your self-perception how sure. how you feel about yourself, uh your ability to strive for improvement, uh, your ability to be aware of your own emotions, it it includes your self-expression, um how do you emotionally express yourself, um your assertiveness, uh your ability to kind of stand alone, you know, you don't you don't always have to follow the herd, uh sure. your interpersonal skills, uh your your ability to build really nurturing, trusting Open relationships with others, your empathy for others, your ability um, to work collaboratively in a team setting, your ability to make great decisions to have a good problem solving methodology to to be able to test reality you know what what are my emotions telling me versus really what's really happening around me so that you make um, decisions impulse control. Um, Sure. My husband thinks I could benefit on that you know i I have an <laughs> awful lot of shoes in the closet <laughs> so i I'm, I'm I'm working on that impulse control um sure and the other element of emotional intelligence is uh, what we call stress management, which is your your ability to develop your stress tolerance, your flexibility and and quite frankly, chris your optimism you know uh sure. you know a a a lot of people uh really can't manage stress when they think, Oh, this is never gonna get any better and this is horrible and, and, and uh you know I, I don't feel like I can get past all of this and you know, optimism is kinda like Annie in the in the musical, you know, there's always tomorrow and tomorrow's a better day and I always say nobody ever damaged their eyesight by looking on the bright side so so <laughs> we, we we try that. So so emotion EQI two point uh, is a is a is a scientific psychometric assessment that really allows us to measure uh, individual and teams level of emotional intelligence. Um, and I think why I'm so passionate about it, Chris, is unlike personality uh, and IQ, which are fixed. Uh, your yeah. personality and your IQ is what it is. And 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 if you've heard of Gallup's StrengthsFinder, that's Pretty ingrained too. Um, sure. Emotional intelligence is a behavioral set of skills that everybody can get better at. Um, so even if you have people who say, you know, well, I'm I'm a real introvert, I I um, I, you know, so therefore I'm not assertive. That's that's not the case. You know, introverts and extroverts can both be assertive. They're going to do it in different ways. But assertiveness is a really important skill to make sure that your voice is heard and, and that because everyone has value, everyone makes a difference. So, so I'm, I'm passionate about that. And, uh, I got certified in, uh, the EQI 2.0 instrument last summer, and I have just been having great success with it, uh, working with individuals, working with teams, uh, in terms of helping them to really build uh, more positive workplaces, but at the same time, you know, develop their professionalism.
1: Sure, absolutely. And and one thing that you mentioned is uh, something that I think is interesting, and that's that unlike IQ, and maybe some other personality traits that you can find through tests, EQ is also changing within you. You you could start off by being naturally good and be put in a position where you don't have to use it very often maybe, and you might need to work on it, and so reassessing and working on it constantly, not just learning once as you would with say engineering or accounting, um, it's It's pretty important
2: yeah uh, yeah you, you you bring up an excellent point, you know one of the things that we we talk about is that when you look at some of the emotional intelligence behaviors and elements you 're going to call upon them at different times in different places. Um, I was recently working with an organization that was going through a tremendous amount of Change And we actually took the emotional intelligence elements and we kind of rank ordered them to say, you know, which are the ones we're really going to have to lean on pretty heavily to get us through these next three to four months and it was yeah it was amazing and then when you look at what you need versus where your strengths are and where you need to shore up those skills uh, really allows you to develop a better set of of goals in terms of what you want to improve and you know it's like anything else uh, emotional intelligence is one of those things that repetition and discipline and focus is the key so you 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 really only pick one or two uh... i i actually say one pick one emotional intelligence let's say you wanted to work on your assertiveness sure. just work on that um, take a couple of different things you can do to develop that keep practicing it uh... we know that it takes twenty one consecutive days to really start to imprint in the brain um, a life habit you know so we really we really try to get people to 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 uh bear down, get focused, work on that and then when they feel like that's become more of a of a natural response or a go-to kind of behavior for them, then we then we start to work on some of the others. But you're right, it's it it, it it's more of a journey, I think, than a destination. I don't know that you ever really get there where you're 100% on <laughs> wherever you're 100% on on everything. But but it is it is critical in the workplace of so I, I like to tell my um my clients that there's no emotional intelligence on a deserted island. You know, if you're the only person there, <laughs> it doesn't really matter.
1: Sure, absolutely. And 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 uh fortunately for uh for people who love EQ, none of us operate in the vacuum really.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you
2: know, I I can't find too many jobs where somebody says, I don't need anyone or anything, I just do it all myself. I just I haven't I haven't found that yet. <laughs>
1: Sure. so you, you also mentioned um, introverts and extroverts how, how how does that factor into EQ and does it is, is it helpful to know which one you lean towards uh, before you try to improve your emotional intelligence
2: yeah you know um, the, the that that introverts and extroverts are more of a personality trait they're one of the big sure. five you know your your level of extrovert and what I try to do is tell people your personality is who you are and and love yourself get comfortable with your skin within your skin you're not going to change that Uh, so let's let's talk about so for example if you are more of an introverted quiet personality style let's look at these emotional intelligence elements and 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 how do we make them work for you so how do we make them Uh work for you so for example assertiveness or emotional expression or problem solving or those kinds of things, it's important to do it. it the manner in which you do it m- might be slightly different uh, because, of, because of your natural personality traits. Uh, and, sure. and so we, we try to get people to, to think about how do you bring those out. It's, it's interesting. You know, people have asked me, are, are men more emotionally intelligent than women? Um, are people from China more emotionally intelligent than people in the United States? Uh, What our research is showing, Chris, is is that at an overall emotional intelligence level, um, the answer is there is no difference. Um, Men are really not more emotionally intelligent than women, vice versa. Um, People in in, uh, Asian countries aren't more emotionally intelligent. Now, when you break it down to smaller scales, like, for example, uh, empathy, uh, women tend to score higher on empathy sure. than men. Men tend to score higher in general on self-regard. Uh, okay. uh, in in uh, Asian countries or Latin American countries, you'll start to see some differences, but they're on the individual element scale, not the overall scale. And some of that is cultural. I mean, some of that is sure. how they were brought up and their values and what's important to them. I think what I try to stress is with everyone is first of all, let's get agreement that all of these elements are essential to general well-being and happiness so that sure. you understand that as you work in a world where you're going to be working with other people, all of these elements are going to serve you well and then let's tie that into your personality style and and how that works uh, how that works for you.:
1: Absolutely so. Why is EQ important to professionals, uh, regardless of what field they're in?
2: Well, you know, when you think about professionalism, you, to me, this is how you show up. <laughs> sure. And, and you, you show up in such a way that you build mutual respect, uh, you build mutual trust, uh, you're able to get things done uh, and, and move Things forward, and and I think emotional intelligence is just core to that. Because when you think about uh, your own confidence levels, you think about how you express yourself, you think about how you bring other people into those conversations, and are able to make decisions amidst all of the chaos that's going on. Whether that's you know in your family kitchen, or if, <laughs> or, or if that's you know in a boardroom. Uh, it, it matters. And, you know, I know one of your missions is, is that professionalism doesn't necessarily mean you have a title and a suit coat. And I think that's so true. And I believe that people who are emotionally intelligent present themselves in a professional way.
1: Absolutely. Um, I would also say that there are many people who have suits and careers that are not professional, and <laughs> those Amen are the people. That. Yeah, those are the people that I, that, I, that I want to reach out to, and, and maybe they don't have their careers yet, or, or they or or they they're just not at that point where they have to develop those type of skills and and things like EQ, I think is is vital to being a good professional and and, and starting on that journey to towards professionalism. Um, one of the things that I always talk about that I think people with high EQ understand is meet, meeting other people at their level mm-hmm. because we're all walking around and we all have different things going on in our lives and you can assume that somebody is at a certain level and you could try to talk to them that way. But if you're wrong, you're going to find out pretty quick because you might not get the desired response or the desired result that you're looking for. Right. Um, and, and, and one reason why I find it so intriguing and interesting is that it's it's extremely difficult to manage people and and understand their emotions. I, 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 I don't think it comes 100% natural to anybody. Mm. And being able to understand those things and and then also know when you need to be assertive and when you don't need to be assertive and all the other traits. That's it's it's so interesting to understand all those dynamics.
2: Yeah. When, when we're actually taking people through the EQI 2.0 assessment, uh, we, we like to introduce it as a continuum. And you, sure. you can be really low on a particular uh, skill or you can be really high. And low doesn't necessarily mean that you don't know how to do it. It just means you're not bringing it. You're not connected to it. You're not, for some reason, that's not a go-to emotional intelligence skill for you. Now, on the high side, uh, that means that, you, you use it a lot. You bring it forward. Uh, it's easy for other people to see you demonstrating that particular skill. Um, and, and, and then, especially in emotional intelligence, Chris, there's also you can, you can overuse it. I mean, you can take it to the <laughs> extreme. And, and so we like to tell folks that if you're really, really low or if you're really overusing an emotional intelligence skill, it's going to cost you. Sure. Uh, it, it and and you have to be the judge of are you willing to accept that cost so for example self regard if you're really really low in that you 're going to show up as doubting yourself as as having poor self esteem uh, maybe you even kind of walk around with hunched shoulders you don 't make eye contact with people as much you 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 feel inferior. Uh, and and that 's going to cost you that 's going to cost you in terms of people hearing what it is that you have to say or people even giving you an opportunity to have a voice sure. uh, now on the other hand i a lot of people know people who are really a little bit too much self regard thank you very much you know, <laughs> you know now we 're getting into the narcissism and the arrogance and the pompousness and you know that that turns people off too, and so sure. it's 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 finding the right amount that that you want to bring and you know at the end of the day I always felt and I still feel like this in my life Chris that I want to be able to lay my head down the pillow and say I think I made a difference to somebody today and Mm -hmm. and that's really what life to me is 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 whether it was with a a child or a parent or a friend or a neighbor or a colleague or a direct report or or a customer or whatever it's that i I was able to make a positive difference, and that comes a lot from who you are, and so I, I think this I think is a big part of it. But cert- certainly, also learning how to build trust and team is is incredibly important in that as well. And that's you know another one of my passions. It's why I teach for the professional MBA program at Iowa. I, uh, it's a team class that really allows people to learn how to collaborate well. Uh, with others it 's always so funny they say, "Do we really need to have a class on teamwork and I'm going, "Yeah, yeah, you
1: do yeah it's not a
2: natural thing, sorry
1: you should ask that person how many bad teams they've been in in their life
2: exactly exactly
1: uh you you mentioned uh two things uh building trust and team building, and also last time you and I spoke, I remember you talking about how important those two things were mm-hmm. um and and how they kind of go hand in hand. How, how building trust is vital to um, team building. Why are these things important?
2: Well, you know, if we if we if we tie it into the emotional intelligence piece too, certainly in the interpersonal realm of emotional intelligence, you've got the relationships, but then you also have what we call the social responsibility, which is the greater good. Uh, and okay. and are you willing to put the team first? And are you willing? You know, it's 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 kind of like our carbon footprint and green and and thinking about this, you know, people who don't recycle, people who don't really care about the environment are basically saying, listen, I don't care because I'm not going to be around forever. Um, and that's kind of selfish because there's going to be a lot of people who are here long after you and I are here. And sure. so you you want to think about the greater good. Well, in teaming, we say that too. You know, teams are great because they will make better faster decisions, higher quality with with more commitment, and they get better things done because you're tapping into the perspectives of everybody on the team the, the challenge is though creating an environment where people can do that, Chris, because we do have different personalities and not everybody is emotionally intelligent and they don't know how to communicate well with each other and build those relationships. So what happens is you get a group of people working on a project together who aren't maximizing what they can do collaboratively together. First of all, because they, they don't trust each other and they're not doing the things um to build that trust. So to me the the team building things start with first of all recognizing what does build trust and then uh emphasizing that. So, you know, I'm I'm I like to reference the 3 Cs of trust. Okay. Um, the, the first one is competence. Um, certainly, it's easier to trust people who you feel are competent and know sure. what they're talking about. Uh, the, the next one is commitment. And... And watching how people demonstrate their commitment to whatever it is, to the purpose of the team, the goals of the team, the cause, the common cause, uh, the, the norms, the values of the team, what the team has agreed to as a working approach, but you and your actions and behaviors and your words, you demonstrate that commitment. Uh, and that's, and that's a big one. People need to see that I, I, I am I am this team and this team is me. And then okay. the third one is compassion. And that's okay. truly that you care about one another as people, not just you're the technical guy in the team or you know you're the you're the recorder or you know you you handle the books or whatever. Sure. It's that we truly connect as human beings and we care about each other as human beings because that that contributes to another key element of trust which is called being vulnerable Uh, you know in Pat Lincone's book the five dysfunctions of a team uh, the base of all great cohesive teams is trust and a lot of that trust is is built on your ability to be real and genuine authentic and vulnerable around people to say things like I don't know or I was wrong or I need help or I think you have a better idea or or whatever, and so, for example, when I'm teaching my team class at the University of Iowa, it's a four-weekend class, and okay. every weekend, I have them engaged in team-building activities, uh, not only where they have to make decisions together, but where they just start to open up and get to know each other, so as an example, the, the, the first weekend, you know, they're doing things like um, five things that we have in common with each other that can't you know that aren't very obvious little things where they get to know each other as people. The next weekend, I, I have these fun little—they're uh, called thumb balls, uh, but you're like little soccer balls. You toss them around. When your thumbs land, it's it might land on something like your favorite movie or or sure. what was uh, what was the best recognition you ever received or things like that. Now the third weekend, we do something called bag of questions where. They pass around a little gift bag, and I have strips of paper in the gift bag that has questions on it. Now, those questions get a little tougher, like tell us about your most frightening moment or what was a mistake that you made that you really learned a lot from um what is your definition of success uh, little little tougher questions and mm-hmm. and so then by the fourth weekend, and of course, when they're going through this, they're all looking at me like. Really? I'm, 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 I'm taking valuable class time to have us sit around and talk about these things. Well, then the last weekend, I get them, Chris, into a difficult team decision-making problem-solving simulation. and okay. And after the simulation, it never fails that some of them come out to me and they say, okay, I get it now. I get what you were doing. Mm-hmm. You were getting us to be so comfortable and so... Real and feel so trusting of each other that we could say whatever it was that we were thinking and we didn't have to worry about being judgmental or any, anything else. And, and that's absolutely what you have to have if you're going to tap into people's real perspective. So that by the time they got to this detailed problem solving simulation, they felt like they could be real. Uh, yeah. and, and that's where they started offering up ideas or bringing up things that I'm, I guarantee you two weeks ago they would not have done.
1: Yeah, I, I love that, uh, that idea of of doing some small things that, that may seem insignificant, but the, the effect that it has on the team as far as building camaraderie and getting to know each other well um, it, it's it's huge. And so uh, it was a couple weeks ago, I had the, the privilege of speaking at a conference um, for about 15 minutes. And it was uh, an organization called Alpha Kappa Psi that I'm a part of. And it's a business fraternity, a uh, professional business fraternity. And I talked about my time as president of the chapter at Purdue University. And I had a small event that I did with my executive board. I had about 15 or so VPs and directors underneath me. And every week, we would have an e-board meeting. And at the beginning of it, I wanted to start this new thing. And I did it, um, I think, my second e-board meeting. And it was having one of the e-board members that I would pick at random, sit them in front of a a whiteboard, and then we would all go around with... um, Um, markers, writing uh, something positive, a positive attribute, a positive trait, something positive about that person, and then pointing it to them. And then we would take a picture of that person with all those positive things around them. And then we would post it on social media with a very small bio of that person. And um, I'll tell you what, gail we whenever i started it and i explained it to everybody i did get some weird looks around the room <laughs> like, you want us to start off by complimenting each other uh we're supposed to be making decisions and talking about the 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 path of our chapter and i was like yeah we will but we're going to start the meetings off like this it started that way with the weird looks but it ended with excitement and whenever I did choose somebody and it was their turn you'd see them with a smile and they'd sit there and they're excited wondering what people were writing and the look on their faces whenever they would turn around and see what their peers thought of them positively It was, I loved seeing the look on their faces. It was, it was phenomenal.
2: I am so pleased you shared that, Chris. That's an amazing activity. Uh, and, and, and you know, it really ties into one of the ways that you build mutual trust. It's awfully hard to trust people who expect the worst, believe the worst, um, that are gonna, uh, throw arrows into the first idea that you throw out to the group. It's a lot easier to trust someone who believes the best, expects the best. You know, this is what we call a high-trust mindset. Sure. Uh, a high-trust high mindset is one where you give everybody the benefit of the doubt. You don't believe that people have hidden agendas. Uh, and one of the ways that you build that is by focusing on what's right and celebrating what's right. That doesn't mean that there doesn't come a time in teams when you have to say, listen this attitude, this behavior is not helpful, it needs to stop. Mm -hmm. I I do feel, though, that that, uh, we've kind of ingrained ourselves as a society, too, to always look for for what's wrong. I always said if I ran a newspaper it'd be really different. All the bad news is going on the back pages and all the all the chicken soup for the soul stories are going on the front page and people have told me they said, "Well, you won't sell any newspapers that way." And I said, "Well, doesn't that say something?"
1: <laughs> so
2: so I I think I think that's a that's a great thing you know and 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 a lot of our teams anymore chris are virtual we're we're not co-located we're okay. not sitting around a conference room and that exercise that you just described other ones that that i really encourage teams to do it you can do them virtually uh, i i was a leader of a professional group and i had uh, team members all across the country and we, when we would do our roll call just to make sure that everybody was on the call we would throw out you know tell t- tell us uh about a book that you've read that you thought was awesome and you want to share with everybody and nice. and little things like that uh and i got a lot of positive feedback from people who'd who'd been on that team saying you know this was really cool we 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 had never done anything like that before and you're right you're going to get a little pushback at first but you just got to believe uh and have faith that it that it's going to have the impact uh, that it does and both you and i've experienced that
1: yeah and 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 i think it 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 helps build the type of mindset that i also mentioned um to those members um that whenever we come up with an idea i want in in this setting to have a a mindset of how do we make that idea work instead of the knee jerk reaction that most people have of where where are all the holes at where why can't this work
2: mm-hmm, exactly I uh, you know one of the things in teams we try to avoid is the meeting after the meeting
1: <laughs> and
2: and so if you can create a really safe and open environment. Where people feel like they can weigh in they're more likely to buy in and and i think i I think those little things that you do uh, to build that trust are are instrumental to that
1: yeah I love the saying uh, that I say very often if you take care of all of the small things, the big things tend to take care of themselves
2: yeah that is that is so true, and little things make a big difference right
1: absolutely mm-hmm. um, so if if we have listeners that are very interested in um becoming better at eq and, and and working on their um team building and, and building trust and and being assertive how, what advice would you have do you have do you have books or, or what advice is there
2: well i am I am not a published author myself, but I would certainly i I would certainly recommend uh, a, a couple of, a couple of books uh, the okay. The first one is the eq edge. By, doc- okay. by dr. Stein steIN and dr. Um, book uh, they they uh, are the founders of multi health systems the EQI 2.0 assessment and it's a it's a great uh, read with lots of practical uh, exercises and little things you can do to develop those EQ elements so so that would that would be one um, certainly I am a Pat Choney fan the five dysfunctions uh-huh. of a team. Uh, I think I think everybody should read because I also think it's the five dysfunctions of a marriage. <laughs> so, okay. So, you know, <laughs> you can you you can uh, you can go with that. Uh, so yeah, so th- those those would be a couple that I would throw out, Chris.
1: Okay, and if people wanted to um, learn more about Gail Moat Associates or, or contact you, how could they do that?
2: You know, probably the easiest way is via my website. Uh, They can certainly contact me that way. It's uh, gailmoteassociates.com.
1: Okay, and we'll be sure to put that in the show notes. Um, And so I I like to end my podcast with a couple of offbeat questions. Okay. So um, I've read that you love animals. I do. Especially cats and horses. Mm Mm-hmm. So, with all the animals that you've had in your lifetime—cats, horses, other animals—how many would you say you've had over the years?
2: Oh my gosh, let me see. I can I <laughs> I, I can say probably over a dozen.
1: Okay. <laughs> other than cats and dogs, or cats and horses, are they also dogs, fish?
2: I I, I had a parakeet whose name was Charlie.
1: Okay
2: uh, at the same time, I had a cat, which was kind of an interesting combination of of that <laughs> um, i've i've had uh two horses a Shetland pony and a quarter horse uh, okay. and and cats I grew up on a dairy farm, so a lot of cats you know uh, sure. uh, certainly barn cats, but then we had cats in the house all the time too uh but uh, since uh, i've gotten um married and and uh, my husband and i've been married for 33 years now we've had oh, thank you we've had uh three cats in our lives we don't have children so our cats are our our children sure <laughs> and and uh and uh, they've all been tabby cats uh, so we're kind of partial okay. to the tabbies yeah
1: there you go mm-hmm. um so i also heard that you enjoy fishing oh
2: yes indeed
1: what what is the biggest fish you ever caught, and where was it?
2: I caught an 18-pound king salmon on Lake Jeez. Michigan. Um, that's the biggest fish so far. Now, um, <laughs> my bucket list uh, is—I have Alaska on the radar, and my okay. my goal is to catch a halibut that's bigger than I am. Uh,
0: so I <laughs> I,
2: I, I want to have like a like a six-foot halibut. Oh man.
1: so w- would you end up um eating the halibut or are you going to have it stuffed and
0: put oh, it on your no, wall? Oh no no
2: it's not going to get <laughs> stuffed on the wall. No we we do we do have some a uh, bass and a and a really nice rainbow trout uh hanging on our wall but uh no that one is uh it would go in the freezer I'm sure.
1: <laughs> well I I fished uh up in Lake Michigan since I'm from Indiana very often growing up. And I never caught anything near that big, so you got me beat on that <laughs> well, one. Well, we,
2: we, we have a great charter captain that we go out with every summer, so he's, uh, he knows his stuff, and, and I don't think we've ever not come back, uh, with, with some salmon that we're gonna put in the freezer, unless the waves are over three foot, then I don't go okay. out.
1: <laughs> Well, there is my mistake. I'll have to take some notes. (laughs) Well, Gail, thank you so much for your time. I I very much appreciated our conversation.
2: I I have enjoyed it immensely and uh, wish you the best. And if anybody has any questions that they have for me, please, please do reach out.
0: Thank you for listening to this PBC Podcast. If you liked what you heard, leave a review for future listeners and let us know what you thought of this episode. We would love to hear from you. You can also head over to professionalbychoice.com to be kept up to date on our new episodes released every Monday. The ball is now in your court. How are you choosing to be a better professional each day?